Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois, and we have got a great show for you today. It is a year in review. What happened in 2022, 2023 now, so we got to figure out what maybe went well, not so well, so we can look to 2023 and maybe improve things, or maybe there's some things that we did and the listeners or viewers, you might be interested in trying yourself. And of course, I'm not doing this by myself. I am joined, as always, by Illinois Extension Horticulture Educator, Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. It's been a while since we've done one of these together. I know. I know. I forgot what you looked like. So <laughs> um, hopefully you had a great holiday break and everything, and and we're, we're, we're back at it. Here we are, once again, talking about gardening. Yes, it was... It was good, nice and relaxful, as always. Never seems long enough, but Mm-mm. it is what it is. No, exactly. And of course, I didn't get half of the chores I had planned to get done finished. So um, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> like, well, we'll just have to wait till next year's holiday break for all the all the plans that we had. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, but but today, Ken, we are talking about our year in review 2022 is come and gone. And I feel like I did a lot of new and different things in the garden uh, last year. And yeah, I I just like to talk about it. So how about yourself? Yep. As usual, we tried some new plants and some worked, some didn't. So Mm -hmm. some, some were planning to do it again this year, maybe different varieties, but so there's Never again. So never again. <laughs> never going to happen again. Well, I, I feel like I learned a lot of lessons, and maybe I'll I'll start with my first lesson that that I learned in terms of trying new things. Now we, you turned me on to a couple different seed uh, uh, types, um, and I, I had even I think at that initial meeting we had last year, I'm like I really want to grow poblanos. Like I really want to grow poblano peppers, and so we we ordered some of those. Um, I think the types that we ordered were Trident and uh, let me look at my cheat sheet, Aranos. Um, and Trident is a pavano pepper that typically remains green. You could leave it, I think, on the plant and it would turn reddish. Aranos, like its namesake, turns orange. Um, and so those those are two of the poblanos we tried. And I'll say first lesson learned, um, got to listen to Peggy Doty when it comes to critter control, because <laughs> I never got, I, I got one pepper last year. The plants went out beautiful, strong, sturdy, planted them in the ground. And I decided I was going to use some old fish emulsion or fertilizer that I had uh, lying in the garage. So I fertilized them. They looked great for about two days. And then after like day three, I found them all lying on the ground. Someone had pulled them out, had dug them up, um, and, and so I just spent most of my growing season replanting the same pepper plants over <laughs> and over again. It's like groundhog day, um, just over and over again. And so I followed Peggy's advice. I put a radio outside, put a wheelbarrow on top of it, turned it to talk radio all night long. They never showed up, uh, as long as I had that going at night. So tip number one, year in review. Peggy Doty, she's on to something with this whole raccoon and radio thing. Did you tell your neighbors you were doing that? I uh, know. <laughs> See, the nice thing is uh, neighbors on one side of me, they they leave or they, you know, they're on vacation a lot. 
Um, so I don't see them as much. And the other one, he stays in his house most of the time. So it's just us kind of in our backyard, <laughs> us and the raccoons. Yeah. So that was my adventure with Poblano. So Ken, did you try something new uh, last year? So we've tried several different things. Um, one, two plants we had never grown before. Um, we did artichoke. Um, <clears throat> and the, um, the artichoke we picked was called Imperial Star. And this is a shorter date. Only, it's only 85 days. When you look at a lot of artichokes, they're like 110, 120 days. Mm -hmm. uh, and this one was kind of bred developed specifically for kind of more northern climates or areas where you cannot overwinter artichokes. Usually they're zone six, seven. Um, or higher uh, so that's that's why we picked this one um and i must have done something right because i didn't intentionally expose them to cold weather I, I think when we were hardening them off we must have just gotten enough uh cold temperatures because it was it to be like 10 days under 50 degrees but not below freezing it's kind of got that little bit of a goldilocks zone there and it's so, <laughs> somehow some way uh i guess beginners look uh, we did it right and got uh Pick kind of one good harvest off of one of the plants on the other one so i think we planted three or four total one of them never really did anything one of them died by the user error than anything else and then two did really good one of them we picked off of the other one i let bloom just to see the flowers and the flowers are are quite striking so i think you know even if you don't like artichokes i think it's something you can grow uh, just as an ornamental they've got really interesting looking leaves and the flowers are are, are pretty big and pretty 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 as well mm -hmm. i i tried artichokes as well i think i did imperial star it's supposed to be kind of as you described for short um mm -hmm. shorter seasons um supposed to set supposed to form that flower bud that first year after you get it exposed to cold temperatures i thought i did that i actually had a whole flat of them and only four survived the cold temperatures that I exposed them to. So, <laughs> but so I had four, I planted four artichokes and they never flowered. They never did anything, but they did grow vegetatively. And they were, like you said, it was uh, the vegetation themselves is, is very nice. Um, you know, they have that kind of thistle like texture to their foliage. And, you know, I just liked having them around. I never pulled them out. I just, just kept them and I, I just enjoyed them. Yeah, because they're very pretty plants. Yeah, and those flowers basically look like a giant thistle. Mm -hmm. not, I'm not sure how closely they are related to each other, but looking at them, I would assume they're fairly closely related to thistles. Yeah. There, there's one that I tried and I did pretty well with uh, too, and that is a carrot. Uh, so I really like carrots, and one of my goals when when growing carrots is to try to hold them over from fall into winter. So I have them in the ground right now. And a specific type of carrot is called Caracas. Now Caracas is a carrot that has been bred for shallow soils. So let's say you have a heavy clay soil and I've tried to grow normal length size carrots in my soil and it just turns into like, you know, forked tongues, this is, this is gross and they don't develop that well. Caracas is made for growing in heavier clayer soils. So they're not very long. They're pretty stubby, but they're they're very they grew very strong. Like the, the top growth was beautiful. And then what I pulled out of the ground, I mean, it's like, you know, like my fist, you know, it's that size, that shape, but it tastes like a carrot. And it, now that it's mild out right now, 
I think I'm going to go home probably and pull out some more carrots. We're going to create, have probably like a beef stew coming up this week. We're going to pull up carrots and parsnips that I also have in the ground. And we're going to toss those in um, with that stew. So I'm looking forward to that. So they grew really well. So if folks have a heavier soil, uh, maybe you haven't had much success with carrots, check out Caracas. They're bred to be shorter and grow a better in that denser soil. Yeah, we've grown Caracas too. And one we grew for carrots we grew last year was um, Oxheart, which is another really short one that are that are wider than they are long, looking like almost mm -hmm. like a ball. Yeah. Um, and, and same thing, we grow ours in a raisin bed, so it's a little bit looser soil, but even then it's, even with the longer ones, it's not deep enough and it's still kind of heavy. Uh, so they end up forked and, and twisted and and stuff. So I think yeah, from now on, we're going with Caracas um, Oxford. I think there's another one, Atlas uh, mm -hmm. or something like that. There's, there's several of those smaller, uh, shorter ones. I think at least in our garden, that's where we're going to grow from now on. Okay. Well, I would say, Ken, did you grow rice this last year? I did. So this is our How second. How did that go? Growing rice. Um, we were not as successful this year as last year because the birds ate pretty much all of it. Wow. <laughs> so we had some planted more rice than we did last year. We had really good looking plants. Um, but by the time I got out there to get it, either the, the, the seeds in the holes were gone or the holes were empty. So I don't know if it was just poor pollination on those or the birds actually picked it out. But I got a little, little Tupperware container. <laughs> a spoonful of rice. <laughs> I still haven't held it. I haven't held the stuff from last year just because it's, it's a pain to do. And I have not figured out a way to do it efficiently, mm -hmm. uh, short of buying some kind of machine that is several hundred dollars and i am not allowed to so first you got to keep the birds from eating it all then maybe you'll be allowed to buy that 700 dollar machine <laughs> yeah or just make something at home a board and some screening maybe two boards rubbed together and that works okay but trying to figure out what the right pressure is so it doesn't crush the mm -hmm. the rice too i have not figured that out and admittedly i have not tried in probably yeah. nine months mm -hmm. so well there's always next year yes or maybe maybe sometime this winter that's right things slow down and i'm bored i i will also add to my poblano woes that another one i tried i was really excited for sauce tomatoes this last year so i tried little napoli um same story at my house when it comes to that, basically the raccoons pulled them up all summer long. And, and even after we did the radio trick, it, we didn't have a long enough growing season to really get much. I think I got, like I said, I got one poblano pepper and I got like two or three um, sauce tomatoes, which you can't make much sauce with like two tomatoes. So um, you make a little, little dipping sauce, maybe. <laughs> Some salsa. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it wasn't, wasn't that great. However, um, I always, I, I grow extra and I, I gave a bunch of uh, starts to uh, Western Illinois University to their, their ag program. And they grew the tomatoes and the poblanos um, for their students. And they did like a little marketing study. Um, and I was able to harvest some of the poblanos and tomatoes from, from their high tunnel. And I will say, great. It was very good. They had some very good uh, sauce tomatoes. The poblanos were delicious. So I it really worked and those were being grown in a high tunnel. And so 
you know, raccoons, they can crawl their way in there, but they probably, it's harder for them to get in there early in the season to establish that habit of ripping things apart. So, but I'll say the poblanos, even though I didn't get much at home, I did get to eat uh, quite a few and the tomatoes, a little Napoli, that was a really good one. So Ken, did you try some, some uh, tomato crops, some new tomatoes this last year? I can't remember if this is the first year we grew them or second year. Um, maybe we grew some um, some paste tomatoes, and I can't remember the name of them now. Um, they did pretty good. We did another one. It was a yellow tomato. It was a paste tomato. I can't think of the name of it now. And it, it did okay. Um, that one had a lot more disease problems than some of our mm -hmm. others did. And it was kind of hard to tell when it was fully ripe. Kind of going yeah. green. That yellow. It's, it's kind of a, it's a brighter yellow, but it was still... It took a little time to figure out when exactly uh, it was right. And by the time we kind of got it figured out, we were kind of over tomatoes. And... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it was with Brad's Atomic Grape. We're like, is it ready? Is it not ready? And half the time we thought they were ready, they weren't ready. And half the time they're like, well, they're the color of the ones that weren't ready, but they 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 were ready. We picked them yeah. and they're ready. So it, it we didn't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we figured it out, and finally, and the season's over, and we're pulling things out of the ground. Yeah, turn into mush, and yes. And by, by the end of the year, our, our tomato patch was smelling pretty bad because mm -hmm. <laughs> just gave up, and there's tomatoes rotting everywhere. And no, I don't think this year we're going to grow any tomatoes. Maybe one plant. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna take the year off from tomatoes. That sounds good. Go support a, a local farmer at the market or something if you want a homegrown tomato or. Um, I'm sure, Ken, you have access to other people that also grow tomatoes. So <laughs> it's not like there's a scarcity of tomatoes in our lives, in yeah, the summer yeah. at least. Yeah, we made enough sauce that we'll probably be good for, for two years. So oh, we had, we had some pretty good. We had some pretty good. We had pretty good crap this year. So, Mama me, I'm coming to Ken's house. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's I guarantee it's good. any good, but <laughs> <laughs> with enough salt and garlic, all tomato sauce is good. <laughs> Oh man, I'll tell you one thing that I probably need to work on growing is going to be my sweet corn. So I tried two different types of sweet corn. First one I can't remember. It was um was a bicolored. It was a super sweet actually. Um, I can't remember the name. I'll look it up and throw it uh, right here uh, after I'm editing. But um, the other one I do know we grew was the bloody butcher. Uh, it's the it's corn that gets like 15 feet tall. And it did. It was huge. And that was probably the coolest thing. I didn't really grow it for the the, the corn itself. Um, what I grew it for is the fact that I wanted to harvest them and use them as fall decorations in the fall. Cause I mean, they're, they're massive corn stalks. And so that was the, the bloody butcher was, was really nice and really fun to grow. The other sweet corn though, didn't grow all that well. Now, part of it is, as what I've expressed many times on the show, I don't have enough sunlight in any parts of my yard to grow really any full sun plant crop. But I think another half of it is uh, was a nitrogen deficiency. It wasn't giving the plants enough nitrogen. These are all, after all, grasses, and they need a lot of nitrogen to grow. And I actually did a little experiment. Um, I had I did a block of sweet corn, and um, and a third of the block. I didn't fertilize um, the middle block. I did a slow release and on the end block, I don't know if I should say this on the show. We can edit this out later and Ken can correct my judgment. Um, we uh, might've directed my children to use that as a urinal. So, um, and, and myself. So uh, 
actually the the block that had uh the urine treatment performed way better than all the others <laughs> um it's because there's a lot of nitrogen in urine and so um there, if people are interested in learning more about this there is a little bit of research on it you're not going to hear anyone from Illinois Extension recommending to go pee on your crops or plants, anything like that. But Jeff Gilman, uh, he has a couple books out. He's with the University of Minnesota. Or I think he formerly was um, until this article came out. Not kidding. Um, he did do a little bit of digging on it. And he said, you know, it. yes, it works. It's actually a very strong dose of nitrogen when it comes to human urine. For the most part, it is clean. It should leave the bladder sterile unless you have a bladder infection and then it's not sterile. It very quickly, once it leaves the, heat, the body, can take get up all kinds of bacteria and fungi. So it's not something that you store and use later. Um, you recommend it if you do that, dilute it, um, one part urine, nine parts water. And um, again, Ken, you can correct my judgment on this one if we throw it in. Uh, leave it in the podcast or throw it out. Uh, otherwise, I'll leave an article down below to Jeff's, uh, uh, what he wrote about this. I'd say leave it. I mean, All I right, it's in. This here. Say so you need to find out if it's if it works better if you're well hydrated or, or not hydrated well. Hmm. Which one works better? I, I would say if you're, you. if you're enjoying libations, there's I think it's much more diluted. Yeah. That's all I can add to that discussion there <laughs> in terms of hydration. Year two. That's right. We'll try again next year and we'll report back. Yeah. We'll monitor our fluid intake. So yeah, that's probably the weirdest thing. Maybe not, but one of the weirdest things been said on a university podcast. So higher ups are going to hear this and there won't be a next one. Next week, <laughs> two other people will be hosting the Cookie Growing Podcast. <laughs> um, um so we did some corn too. Um, we did not have a good year with corn. A lot of ours, we just tried glass gem. We've grown that the last several years. We did not get good germination. For whatever reason, a lot of the sweet corn we put in, we had almost none. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know. It, you know, we had good soil moisture, at least I thought we did. So I don't know what was going on with that. Uh, one time we did try was a, it's called on deck as a sweet corn that's kind of we developed for to be grown in pots almost large like whiskey barrel type size pots um tried that in raised beds it did um pretty good job uh, tasted like sweet corn mm -hmm. uh, and then we did a uh another one what was it called uh hooker sweet which is another sweet corn it's kind of a, it's a blue more purple corn uh, but it's one that you can let it if you let it dry down you get a nice color uh, cornmeal and that was our intention um, but I got a little carried away picking stuff and I picked it all. <laughs> <laughs> you had to wait on that one. <laughs> so it was, it wasn't, it didn't have the real good blue color uh, when I picked it. I think I must develop later. Uh, but it was, it tasted all right. It wasn't, you know, as sweet as the more modern stuff, but mm -hmm. it was still, it was still pretty good. So another vegetable that we grew for the first time this year was celery. Uh, and this one would, grew was called Red Venture. So this is a, a red stocked, um, according to the seed packet, it can be from shades uh, from burgundy to brilliant red to even blotched to golden pink. Ours kind of tended towards that burgundy color. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got some pictures that you can throw in right now. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so people can see. Uh, it's, it's not the celery you buy in the store. So it's 
at least what we grew. Just, we did not get those giant or those real big stalks. These are pretty thin, probably about pinky size uh, for the stalks. And is a very, uh, very celery taste to it. I don't mm. know if I would, you can eat it plain, but it, you really have to like celery. It's kind of, a, it was an intense celery taste um, and a little <laughs> fibrous. So I, I would think this one's probably more if you're going to be using it for making like a vegetable stock or, or more cooking with it is, is what I would use it for, unless you really like that kind of celery, almost kind of astringent taste to it. And that could have been user air too. Who knows? It's the first time I've ever grown celery. So. I'd say try it again. I've, I've had a master gardener who told me, she said, once you grow or once you eat homegrown celery, nothing, celery just doesn't taste the same after that. You only want that. And I'm not a fan of celery. I personally don't <laughs> like celery that you get from the grocery store. So if this has a higher or a heightened flavor of celery, I don't know if I would be a fan. So try again, Ken, and let me know, because I was thinking about growing um, one of those uh, like red, pink tinged celery stalks this next year. Actually, I have the seed. I already got it. So just let me know if I need to continue the effort. So we, we ordered our seed this weekend and we picked out a what's it called Chinese pink for the mm -hmm. celery this year. So I think that's what I have too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. So I'll, I'll let you know how it works out. Okay. And honestly, I haven't looked to see what the cold hardiness on celery is. So I don't even know if it's going to come back. Yeah. Next year, I guess I'll find out in a month or two here. As I, as we wrap or, or move myself from my, garden from like spring summer fall i'll say spring can you got me hooked on this uh was it the drunken woman frizzy head lettuce uh so we planted that in the spring and that did great we harvested from it almost through half a summer until it finally bolted when it got really hot and dry and we just we pulled it out of the ground i replaced that with some salvanova uh salanova heads um which didn't do nearly as well as this uh, drunken woman frizzy head lettuce. So uh, thank you for, for cluing us in on that one. That was fantastic. The only reason we picked that was because of the name. It's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it produced for us at least almost uh, up into July. So yeah, for quite yeah. a while. It, ours did too. Yeah, it was, it's a good, beyond, beyond the name, it's a good, it's mm -hmm. a good lettuce here. And yeah. And this year too, picking out lettuce, you know, we kind of just went by the names. I think we're going to be growing a lot of the red lettuces, almost purple, uh, a couple of the, the varieties. So, mm -hmm. and you need sunlight for those. Um, just saw some pictures at uh, last week of those red types that are growing right now in someone's greenhouse, and they're green. Uh, so those are really. We need those long spring days for those deep red lettuces. Well, in, in the fall months, something that I planted early on, but that grew all year long, uh, is my Jarredale pumpkin vine. And I did take pictures of this. It's probably the largest pumpkin vine I've ever seen. Uh, it, it boggled my expectations of what a pumpkin could be. And I feel like I deserve an award for this, but no one else believes me but i did take pictures i can throw some of those in here um i got one pumpkin off this massive vine that literally took over underneath this whole um 
white pine tree. Uh, it's where we had a weeping willow taken out when we first moved into the house. The stump was ground down and I planted it right there. I mean, this thing just exploded. Um, and that would have been two, two years ago. That had been 2019. And then, so that would have been two years prior. And again, biggest vine ever, biggest leaves. So the leaves were like the size of like three dinner plates or something. They were massive. Um, and the Jaradale, the my single Jaradale pumpkin grew very nicely. Um, Jaradale is kind of a bluish uh, pumpkin. And we had it out. We you you can bake it. It's supposed to have a really nice consistency on the interior, but we used it more decorative and we had it out on the front porch up until Thanksgiving. Um, and, it, and it froze really hard in November and then it warmed up after Thanksgiving and it literally melted on my porch. I still have a pumpkin stain where it was sitting. Um, so I threw it in the backyard and you know, I'm going to see if we can get any uh, seeds out of that. I or I'd probably just good, be a good idea to order new Jaradale seeds. Um, but that's probably going to be the one and only time I grow pumpkins in this backyard because right towards the end of the season, I started spotting squash bugs and I got squash vine borer right at the end of the growing season. I thought they were all gone and they showed up and um, I, I pulled the little maggot larva out of the, the stem, mounded compost up around it, their vine rooted and it was okay. But, oh man, I was getting upset. I thought this, that one little squash vine borer was going to kill my giant pumpkin vine. See, fine enough, we have, we bought some Jardale this year, so I don't know if we're going to have enough room for it. <laughs> it's, it's huge. It. It's massive, and I got one pumpkin. <laughs> the whole thing. All that photosynthesis, they were going in that one pumpkin. Yeah, we, again, we had talked about not doing pumpkins this year, because we've especially two years ago, we had a lot of trouble with squash bugs. And this year I did spray for them a couple of times and that must've got the timing right. Cause we didn't have too many issues with them. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're to the point now we have, we're growing cucurbits. We've got to spray yeah, uh, for squash, but no, luckily, well, we, we had issue with squash vine more two years ago in our zucchini, but none last year. So that stays that big. I was excited I got it because I can get pictures of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I think most people would not be excited about that. No, no. But did you get a picture of the adult, the female? Uh, I got it at my my parents' house last okay. summer. Not at our house. Oh, it's, it's pretty. Such. It's very pretty. It's so hard to get it to, to get a picture of it. It doesn't sit still. So yeah, you can pop the picture in right now. Yeah, Bing. There we go. <laughs> I'll say, so one thing that I'll probably try maybe in our food donation garden here at the office is going to be growing blue Hubbard squash as a trap crop for squash bugs and squash vine borer. Supposedly they are more attracted to that than some of the others like zucchini. And so, but the thing is with that trap crop, we're going to have to treat it. And so it doesn't mean this is a chemical free way of doing this. You attract them to that trap crop and then you spray the trap crop. And um, hopefully though, you don't have to spray your uh the crop that you're harvesting we did grow no cotton this year mm. so and i looked before this morning and i could not find any of the cotton bowls but people have never seen those so this is a white cotton can i see put it in front of my face so you can put see it, it in your beard there yeah <laughs> so this is you know typical cotton we're, we're getting is white cotton we grew one that was brown uh this year nankeen 
uh, was the was the cultivar. And this is an older pre eighteen sixties cultivar variety. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, it was used a lot. But slaves, I guess, were would use this um, to make their clothes and stuff with. Um, but it's it's kind of a kind of a tan brown cotton bowl. Unfortunately, we didn't get a whole lot. It's a little bit longer season, and somebody in our neighborhood sprayed herbicides, some of the <laughs> plant growth regulators, and it absolutely mangled uh, our plants. We had all the the strapping leaves and all mm -hmm. twisted and stuff, and you could tell I hit it, and then it started growing fine again, and somebody sprayed it again, and I got hit again. So you got hit at least twice. So we did not get a lot of production off the nankeen. But the purple foliated cotton we've grown the last several years, that's purple leaves, purplish leaves and white cotton. Either it didn't drift over there or it's not as sensitive because it was, it was perfectly fine. It was kind of weird, but disappointing. These plants are a lot bigger. Um, they were probably, by the time we pulled them out, pushing six feet tall. So, and the, the purple stuff we grow is probably four, four or five feet tall. I I need to grow cotton that you've talked about this for a couple of years and I, I, it sounds lovely. I've seen the pictures. It just sounds like fun. We need to try cotton. You should yeah. get you some seeds right here. So do they, are the seeds uh, viable off of those? Uh, we've never tried. We've always bought new seed, but new seed. that's something I should probably try. Do you pre-sprout yeah. inside? Yep. So yeah. Yeah. Cause these are hundred plus days. Um, to germinate, but the the seeds are inside that that bowl. So, and when you buy them, it, it basically it's just this little mm -hmm. fuzzy. Probably can't mm -hmm. see that all that well. Little fuzzy seed. We trying to remember. This goes back to my New Year's resolution of actually writing stuff down. <laughs> we start them inside. I'm, I'm thinking we start them usually late February. Okay, and grow them inside as long as we can, and after chance of frost we've got them inside quite a bit we're potting them up and and stuff so ken were you sitting with me last week when we someone told us about growing cotton in the southern u.s where there's actually some restrictions on that because of uh is it the bull weevil uh problem so you can't necessarily do backyard cotton in the southern you, u.s yeah you have to get permission to do it mm -hmm. and i i did before i started growing i did check illinois that i could find anyway does not have any regulations uh, if you're in Missouri, they do. Missouri does grow cotton commercially, uh, so that may be something you need to check on if you're going to try growing in Missouri. I don't know if it's grown commercially in Kentucky. Wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, the southern states, if you're going to try growing it, you need to check with your Department of Ag or your Extension Service, and they can let you know if you need to or not. Yeah, yeah. Illinois, we're good. Yeah, for all the cotton you want, until maybe 25 years from now when. Uh, cotton's going to be cash crop here in central Illinois. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I, I, I don't really have many other crops or, or lessons. I'll say we planted watermelon. Again, we didn't have enough sunlight for it to really do anything. Um, and, 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 and that's about, uh, you know, in terms of, of our edible crops we, that we have uh, down in it. Maybe on another show, we can talk about some of the ornamental things that we have uh, tried out last year. And uh, and we'll let you know how they go and maybe some things that we would like to plant in 2023 
Because Ken, you've already ordered your seat. I haven't done that yet. So, you know, we got to make our list right. I got to make my list and we got to, we got to talk about this now. Yes. You know, say it's not new for, for us. We um, are, our may pop our passion flower. So the native passion mm -hmm. flower we have here, this is our, it's our second year, third year for it. Yeah. Pretty good fruit production. Um, you know, after we got a frost, you know, I thought I'd pick most of the fruit. I didn't even get half of it. Oh no. <laughs> so it, was, it was so thick, you know, peeling a bag. I couldn't find anything more, but we got all kinds of dead mm -hmm. frozen fruit hanging off. So still got to, got to get the timing down right for picking those. Some of them I picked early weren't fully ripe yet. Still tasted halfway decent. I think others I picked a little too late and they were not mm. all that great tasting. So hopefully this year it survives the winter and work on getting that timing down right. But if nothing else, it's it's a really good ornamental. Um, you can pop in some pictures of the, the flowers and the fruit now. Yeah, these are beautiful flowers. They're, you, you've shown a few to me and it's like, wow. That this produces fruit as well. I mean, well, that's a bonus. Yeah, and I will say it is popping up uh, further and further away from the original plants. So we'll have to probably a little aggressive there. <laughs> we'll have to start pulling some, severing it and pulling some stuff out. Um, you talk to the neighbors because it's fairly close to the fence line. Um, so they have to start popping up over there <laughs> before they spray it. Let me know when I'll yeah sever it. Yeah, you don't want to be. Put in a systemic on that thing. <laughs> we'll end up like my cotton. Oh man. Yep. Well, as long as we're not putting a running bamboo in the yard, I think you'll be all right. Right. Hopefully. We'll we'll see. And I will say mm -hmm. for that, um for that passion flower, carpenter bees. I don't think I've ever seen so many carpenter bees in my life. Really? They're all over that plant. They're pollinating it? Are they hollow out the stems at all? But, um i didn't see anything on the stems it was all on on the flowers visiting cool. it so well that's nice not many people want to attract carpenter bees but sometimes people want to draw them away from their wood siding so think about passion flower there or you'll have even more <laughs> plant it away from the house yeah. <laughs> and hang up some blocks or something for them to play with yeah well that was a lot of great information about uh, what Ken and myself, uh, some of the crops that we grew last year, some of our our successes and some of our duds uh, and lessons learned. Uh, so hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Uh, this is Good Growing is a production of University of Illinois Extension. Uh, special thanks to Ken for hanging out with me today and talking about uh, reminiscing about uh, last year's uh, garden crops. And so, well, thank you, Ken. Yes, thank you. We'll uh... We'll have to compare notes for that urine test. That's right. See what we can make happen. I'll do an analysis. <laughs> and a few months from now, I was like, ah, oh, Chris, there's something horribly wrong with you. <laughs> anyway, and, uh, yes. If you're going to do it at home, don't do it on stuff you're eating. No, not on any, there. <laughs> no edible portions of any crops at all stay away from lettuces and strawberries and, and and all that stuff and illinois extension does not recommend that use uh, unfortunately none of this can be traced back to ken or myself so exactly. i like the recording this and if we're still around next week let's do this again next week
Oh, we shall do this again next week if we're still around and it's not two other guys sitting here talking about gardening. Uh, we're finally going to be dishing on our research project from last year talking about growing ginger, uh, really specifically ginger, but we also grew two other tropical spices, turmeric and galangal. And so we are going to be uh, sitting down with Nick Brillman to, to discuss that effort last year. Um, and you can learn about growing ginger or, or turmeric and galangal as well and get that, uh, you know, tr try it out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, both Ken grew it. I grew it. Um, we look forward to sharing that with you. So listeners, thank you for doing what you do best. And that is listening. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, watching. And as always, keep on growing. urine experiment here you you got you got you know some kids you got a dog there's a lot of sources right there um <laughs> so just don't i didn't tell uh the boss of the house my wife so she didn't she didn't know about the experiment but there's definitely spill the experiment. how'd you pull that off huh how'd oh, you pull well, that off kids not telling her nah they 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 pee anywhere in the yard anyway so it would be it's nothing new for them yeah <laughs> there's a benefit to having two neighbors that you know are pretty quiet so it's just <laughs> us in the backyard oh goodness well yeah so try that experiment um don't don't do that to your lettuce though don't do that to your strawberries it's a bad idea um if if you ever apply anything like that it's got to be on an inedible plant or an inedible portion of that crop so uh it's probably not a recommendation illinois extension would stand behind so probably not nope not at all you didn't hear it from us <laughs> didn't hear it from us there's no recording of uh, at all there's nothing to trace it back to us at all so that's that'll be fine anyway well listeners thank you for doing what you do best oh wait we didn't talk about next week's show that's, that's kind of important ken yeah oh we forgot no no i messed it up I, I didn't say it. let's do this again next week. We're out of practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Here we go then. <laughs>